Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Living is Christ. Living is Christ. We're talking about the life that Jesus came for us to have, full and abundant now and forever life, how important it is for us to know that, that we have a very real enemy who tries to steal that life from us. That's his sort of stated mission. And yet uh, Jesus has come that we can have this amazing life in him. And so we're, we're looking at some scripture together talking about this life. We started this series in Philippians 1, 20 through 27, where Paul talks and says, you know, to live is Christ. And he talked about a lot of the elements of that life. And then a few weeks ago, we made a switch into Ephesians 4, where um, Paul continues this discussion, and he is really talking about this, this new life. And as we started this journey, I, I said, you know, the, he talks about taking off the old self and putting on the new self, um, those two verses are between them is a verse about this new attitude of our minds. And, um, and then he begins to list these new attitudes that we should have as followers of Christ. But it's very, very important that we, we always make this point that it's not like this is a, um, an outward behavioral shift that we're all about. Um, you know, being a, a follower of Christ isn't some sort of a moral self-improvement thing. It's about realizing that as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in us and he's working in us and that we're to yield to him and that this new self that Paul talks about has been created by God for us in holiness and righteousness and, and in fact the Spirit of God is helping us put this new clothing on is the illustration. And it's important to know that so that as we talk about these new attitudes that are part of the new self, when we see them being developed in us, we realize it's His work, not ours, so that we don't take credit for it. God gets the glory, and also it keeps us from becoming sort of legalistic rule followers where we go, well, these are the rules that we're following so we can be like that. Um, it's different. It's a, it's a work of God. It's the Holy Spirit working in us, us yielding to Him, and as we continue to follow Him, these new attitudes begin to develop in us uh, that he's putting on us. And so we've, we've spent the last few weeks talking about these, these sort of new attitudes. We, um, we talked about in your anger, don't sin. Remember, we've, we've had that discussion. And we talked about putting off falsehood before that, how important it is to be people that speak the truth and what that looks like. Well, today, um, this is going to be really fun. Um, we're going to talk about not stealing. So you think, got this one down. Well, let's see. <laughs> Scripture reading, Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God 
forgave you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to really focus in here on Ephesians 4.28. Who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with his own hands. They may have something to share with those in need. There's three ideas in this little passage, in this little verse that I want to talk about today, and I think they're so critically important in, in this new self that we're putting on and seeing it being developed in us by the Holy Spirit. So let's jump right in. Point number one, it's about stealing. And um, it says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, is how that whole starts. And stealing um, is, is, is something that's so commonplace, unfortunately, around us that we've really come to accept it as part of life. And, and if, you, if you question that, I want to just, everybody carries these things, right? Do you know the only reason you carry these? It's because stealing happens all around you. That is the only reason for you to have keys. And, and you don't even think about it, but you have, to, you have to lock things so that people don't take them from you. Otherwise, can think about it. If nobody stole anything, you, you wouldn't, when you, if you, you just go out there and you'd hop in your car and it wouldn't need a key, you'd just push a button and you would go to your house and it wouldn't need a key because no one would ever take your stuff and you wouldn't need locks all over everything. Can you imagine a life like that? So it's really the life God intended for us to have, but we live in a fallen world. You wouldn't need security passcodes. You wouldn't need, uh, now, and those passwords now that you have to have, that you can't just have a password anymore, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, because everybody has that one. You can't have your password just be password anymore, although that's a fun one. Um, <laughs> or I told you the other day, right, the newest, the, my favorite password is incorrect, because that way, if you forget it, it reminds you because you type in something else and it says your password is incorrect. And you're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> you wouldn't need any of it, but it's so common that I think we, we for, see, be, it, because we're so used to this, it's, it's impacted us in all sorts of ways. And, and it's, uh, it's part of the old nature. You don't have to teach someone to steal. You can watch it. It's fascinating. That old nature stuff pops up in little kids. They just... And unfortunately, they will take something right away that ain't theirs if they think they want it. They have no compulsion. They don't just, boop. I, you can watch them all the time do those things. You have to unteach them. You have to tell them that it's wrong in the process. But this idea of stealing is, is a big one, really, and it's, it's the big one because it's, it's, it's sort of based in the golden rule. I mean, there's a commandment, but for us in, in this whole idea, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And so... Um, if we really had that one down, stealing would be a non-issue because we, we don't like anything taken from us. And so we should be people that don't take things from other people in the process. So this, this whole idea is to be stripped off of us, uh, the old self put away. Uh, and, and, and so, but stealing, see, is rooted in that, in that old self. And that's the problem is that this thing is a process. And it's part of the corruption um, that comes from deceitful desires. So what happens is when we're tempted to steal, it's because we're being deceived about what's truly desirable in the process. So we have an enemy trying to steal life from us because stealing is his thing. And, and so he tempts us to steal, and the way that he does it is he, he tempts us all the time to take shortcuts, to take paths of least resistance to, uh, in order to achieve what we think we want. And he, he lies to us. 
and, and into deceiving uh, and, and believing that the fleeting pleasure of possession is better than a hard day's work or a clear conscience or a love for other people. And this is part of the old nature. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So stealing comes from a corrupted heart with desires born out of this deception that the enemy has put into us. So it's, it's part of the old corrupt nature, and it has to be stripped off and thrown away. And, and yet, this is one that's impacted all of us. It's all of us. And, and maybe, you've, um, maybe you've never taken something from someone else, you know, like maybe you've never shoplifted or actually stolen something or done some of those things, although I think, you know, I have a colorful history. <laughs> I can't tell you that I've never done any of those things. Um, but, but, um, but sometimes we justify these little shortcuts, passive least resistance, nobody will know, I'm going to do it this way. I was thinking all week about how last Easter when we talked about uh, at the message and, and Jesus and the two criminals are being crucified. And, and at that point in time, I said, all of us are represented by those two criminals. We're, we're all, we've all done something that we shouldn't have done. We've all sort of taken shortcuts. We've all gone our own way. We've all done those things. When, and people don't always like being called, you know, criminals. But, but the reality is all of us have been affected by this. The only difference about those two criminals that were with Jesus is one repents and one doesn't. And one sees paradise and one doesn't. And so, so it's the situation that we're all in. But um, in Christ, see, we, we, we're forgiven and we, we can go on. And this, this whole thing in us that even tempts us to be like that should be being worked out of us by the Holy Spirit over time. It's just something that we shouldn't turn to. We shouldn't be looking for the, the quickest method that's not quite right. We shouldn't have to justify the things that we're doing. We shouldn't have to say everybody else does it. We, shouldn't, we, we should be different as the Holy Spirit works in us in the process. In fact, the new attitude sort of looks like this in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And, and you know, the idea behind that is since he's with us now and forever, in this life, um, we, we learn to be sort of settled in and satisfied with what he's doing in us, and it, it keeps us from being so easily tempted by the enemy who's constantly trying to lead us into deception by telling us, you got to have this, 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 need this, whatever you got to take to get it, you just do it. And, and so that's sort of going on with us. So, stealing is out. Uh, Paul says, he who's been stealing must steal no longer, so that's out. So, Big stuff, little stuff, lots of different ways that we do those things. So, this, but what, so what's in is point number two is working. Working. <clears throat> uh, God has ordained working, not stealing, as the way of um, us getting what we need. He, he provides us. All things come from him, but he provides it to us in, in effect by us sort of working. And, and what you need to know is that work is not a curse. Some people think it's part of the curse, and it's not. Adam was put in the garden to tend it before the fall. So pre-fall, work was part of God's plan. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, so work in and of itself isn't the issue. In fact, work is actually a good gift from God. But the boredom and the frustration and futility in work 
these are sort of the curse of the fallen world that we live in, the, the broken planet that we live in, um, often lead to people experiencing that in their work. Boredom, frustration, futility. And so they, they look for ways to avoid it, to shortcut it, to, to not to wish it was over, to, um, to spend an entire week living for a two-day period when they're not having to do that thing they do the whole week and, and then rushing through that and sort of waiting, oh, I can't wait till I don't have to do this until that happens and missing out on the actual day-to-day -day life that we're called to in Christ. And so you need to know that, that God is not indifferent to what you do for a living. And what you have to remember in all of this is that you belong to Him first. So He's always sort of the, the main person that you're giving an account to of your life, and He cares about how you spend your life. So, so no matter what you do um, for, for work, let's say, is your, your part, whatever that looks like, you need to understand that you're ultimately doing it for the Lord. Very important. Colossians 3, 23 and 4. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, he said. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, let, me, let me say this. Let me submit this to you, that if you're doing something for work, and, and you, it just doesn't, you don't, you just can't wait. You just, I wish it was something else. I wish it was over for the week. I wish, I wish, I wish, whatever. Um, uh, and, and maybe you feel stuck in a circumstance and so you just can't change it. But, but I got to tell you, if you will start doing it like you're doing it for him, it will change the way you feel about your work. It will absolutely change that entire dynamic. And, and yet we, we don't sort of experience that as a culture. And so we just, so, and, and people, you know, I just, they just go in and try and do the least possible they can to get out of there and whatever. You know, I just, oh, I got to go back and I can't wait to be done. And, and it's a, it's, there's so much more to life. I, I feel badly for people that are spending a huge chunk of their life wanting to do something else. And, and I think if, if it's impossible to change it, then, then what you have to do is change the way that you think about it. And, and you have to embrace it and go, you know, God, I'm just going to do this for you. And, and see, here's what's so cool. There's a shift that happens. This is the third point. Because Paul talks about stealing, working, and then being able to give to those in need. That's the third thing that, that happens. And this is the thing that's so cool that ties this all together. And I don't, if you haven't seen this before, I, I think you're going to enjoy this. So, there's this, this shift in focus in the verse. So at first, Paul's very focused on what we do. And he says, don't steal. You need to work. But, but in, in the last part of this verse, his focus turns to the, the motive for working and not stealing. And so the, the goal and the purpose that God has for his people, it's, it's not reached when they simply quit stealing, which he tells them they need to do. And it's also not reached... Um, when, they, when they labor um, with their own hands to simply possess the money that they earn. But, but he's saying here that the goal uh, um, of God for his people in their employment, if you would, is reached when they work in order to have so that they can give to those in need. See, there's something a little different here. See, see that stealing and working 
are about having. Stealing's not okay. It's the illegal way to have. Working is what we're called to. It's the appropriate way to have. But for the life of a believer, life isn't found in simply having. See, that, that's, that it's not, that's not where he wants us. That's not where we're going to find life. And, it, and hear me say that it's not wrong to have things. It's really not. And, and God bless you if you've got lots and lots of things. I think that's really cool. But, but there's this other part of it where we begin to find life. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God will generously provide all you need. So he's still the provider, even though you might be working. He's making it possible. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And see, what this does, this is, this is like really countercultural, so you've got to get it. It takes the entirety of your life, including your gainful employment, your secular job, and it turns all of it into a work of grace, the entire thing. He, 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 he wants you to think of your work as a means to display God's grace in your life. He says, look, don't steal to have and don't work to have, but work in order to give. Because that's where you're going to find life. It's this it's that next step. It's the new self. It's what the new self does is it wants to be more like God, and God's a giver. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's whole thing is about giving, about giving us life. Jesus came so that we might have full and abundant now and forever life. It's his heart. It's this heart of, of, of you know, of a giver. And, and, and he knows that when we get to that place, we begin to experience life differently because it's not all bottled up in us. It's not all just stuck with us. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. And we, we begin to get that it's, it's not just about having. It's about knowing that he's good and we can trust him and that, that we can live as people who are able to let some of it flow through us to bless other people. And that's when we begin to experience life. When, you're, when we're stuck in just having, we're missing out on part of life. And, and he doesn't want you to miss that part that goes, you know what, I trust him, he's good, he's given me all that I, I need, and, and, and now, Lord, how can I be someone that helps and is aware of things going on around me and is not consumed by just my own stuff and everything has happened in my own life? And see, something has to happen. See, the, the old self lives to have, either by stealing or working, but the new self lives to give. And that, that, that's what knowing and living in Christ does for us. It, it changes us fundamentally. It changes us foundationally so that, that we start to look at this whole thing differently. And the Holy Spirit is working on us. And he's, 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 you know, as we yield to him, he starts to change our heart and to change our attitude and to change our minds, to change our perspective so that we can experience life. Because when you're, when you're not all caught up in having to hold on to everything and, and it's all about having, having, having like everybody else... There's a freedom that comes. You don't, you don't have to be nearly as afraid of it all being sort of taken away or, you know, oh, I've got to have, got to have, got to have. But you really don't. It's, it's much better to live where, God, I know that you want the best for me. And, and I thank you for everything that you've given me and for the joy and the blessing of all of it. But, but Lord, always help me to see where there's a need that I can meet because uh, you've taken care of all my needs. And he does. He's promised. He's faithful. So, you know, don't, don't hear me say it's not okay to have. Some people will go, there. it's not. Have it. 
God has been good. We live in a, in a neat place, and, and having is cool. I always tell this to people. Listen, as, as long as your stuff serves you, it's good. But the moment everything shifts in your life and you're living your life to serve your stuff, it's not good. Something's wrong. And it, it, that's where we go, oops. And, and then at that point, we've probably got too much stuff. So uh, it's, not, it's not all found in stuff. Okay, stuff's okay, but it's this life. And so this is the whole thing. And, and when we're living like that in Christ, it, it causes our lives to display the amazing grace of God. And that's what people should see around us. They shouldn't, we shouldn't just be like everybody else at work. You know, we're we not thumping and standing on a soapbox. and We're just living life, and there's something different about us because we've, we're actually experiencing full and abundant life. And, and, and it's not like we're clocking in and just waiting for the day to be over. Hey, what's God up to today? How can I be a blessing today to the people that I work with and the, person that I, the people that I work for? And... And God, you know, even if they don't seem to treat me right or nobody cares, and then, but, but God, I'm going to do this for you, and, and then that's just how it's going to go. So that I get my day back. Do you, you get, can you imagine if, you, if, so if you're spending eight, ten hours a day doing something that you don't care to be doing and having just a change of your attitude as you yield to the Spirit gives you all that time back every day? Can you imagine the difference for some of your lives? That, that it changes things. It's like, wow, I, this is different. Because my entire life, all of it, can display the grace of God in everything because he cares for you. And he'll come in and change it, change you. Change, change the way you feel about it. It's an amazing thing. And that's all tied up in this whole thing. So sort of let that kind of, you know, rest on you this week and think about that and maybe you know where areas again where we can yield to him to help us and lord i oh i need you to i need you to help me in in this whole thing and he will he's faithful to do that next week we're going to talk about using our words to build up and uh, how important that is on the journey so we'll be thinking about that but that's where we're going to end today if you're watching on the video or on the webcast thank you for doing that we appreciate you doing that if you need prayer go to our website there's a prayer page and uh, you put your prayers in there and we will pray for you but for the rest of us um, we're going to move into our time of extended worship. I want to give you an opportunity to stand and stretch your legs for a few minutes. So we're going to take up our offering to do that. So why don't you stand, please, as we pray for the offering this evening. Father, we're thankful for an opportunity to present to you your tithe, our gift, our offering. We pray, God, you would use it to your glory, for that's why it's given. We come as cheerful givers, returning to you a portion of all that you've given us. And, Papa, I pray you would open the floodgates of heaven, Pour out blessing on each person here, Lord. Meet them, God, at the point of their need, and then overwhelm them with all that you are, your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your compassion, and your incredible provision for your children. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Won't you come? Present your tithe, your gift, or offering the Lord. Offering boxes are up front here. We're going to take five minutes to get the worship team set up to greet one another, say hello, meet some new people, freshen your coffees. We'll get back together in five minutes for extended worship.